listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome inside to the latest episode of Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have Vincent Blankenship of West Virginia. He is the Assistant Athletic Director for Sports Medicine and the Head Athletic Trainer for Football. Vince, welcome on in. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Vince. We've been uh, trying to get you onto the podcast for a while now, and I'm finally glad that we got you here. So why don't you give people a little bit of background about who you are? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been in West Virginia now. Uh, I'm going to just finish my ninth season, I believe. Uh before that, I did a, a seasonal uh, assistant job with the Jacksonville Jaguars and um, did physical therapy school at what was Medical College of Georgia at the time. I believe it goes by uh, Augusta University now and uh, did my undergrad with uh, athletic training at University of Georgia. Gotcha. Um, and so what? Uh, how did you kind of end up with the Jags after you finished PT school? Um, I, I had went back and done a, a PT rotation with Ron Corson, who's the, the head athletic trainer at University of Georgia, and he's also a PT. And um, he had introduced me to Mike Ryan, who's uh, now retired. He does Sunday night football uh, instead from the sideline and um, kind of just kind of picked their brain of, you know, how I could get to where they were in the, the profession. And, you know, uh, Ron Corson guided me. He said, I think, you know, doing this year long with the Jaguars will really help you out and get, help meet your goals. And, to me, he's the top in the business, so I figured he was the best person to list, listen to, and it kind of evolved from there. Right. Um, so going back even a little bit further, when you were doing athletic training school and uh, PT school, did you know that like professional sports or college sports was kind of always the realm you wanted to end up in, or did that kind of come later on? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, it kind of evolved. I was originally a pre-med major, and I, I went to Georgia was you know doing microbiology for my degree, and I started thinking, you know, I want to be in sports. For some reason, I don't get in medical school. I don't really want to be a microbiologist. So um, that's when I found out about their athletic training program. You know, I went to a really small high school in southwest Georgia, and we didn't have an athletic trainer. So I, really all I knew about athletic training is I, I grew up a Braves fan. I remember the guy who would kind of run out on the field when one of the Atlanta Braves got hurt. And, you know, that's what I knew that's what I wanted to get into. So I they have a, a shadowing class um, at Georgia for their program when I was there. So got in that and just kind of fell in love with it. My, my first clinical rotation was with Georgia football and ended up having a really good season. And I just couldn't see myself doing anything else after that. Right. And so after you went through athletic training school, what kind of made you want to go through PT school? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I was just talking with uh, Ron Corson, you know, he was an ATPT and, you know, he said, I really, that'd be my suggestion of what to do. And He's who I wanted to be when I grew up, so I figured, hey, I'll, I'll listen to him and you know go to PT school. Gotcha. Um, and so after you went through PT school and then you got the rotation with the Jags, um, kind of tell us a little bit some things that you learned that you've kind of carried through your practice working you know a full year with a professional football team. Um, it was all about you know just building trust with athletes, and really that came from just showing them how much you cared that you were there for them. Um, you know, a lot of times when guys come into the training room, they're they're going through something tough that's limiting them on the field. So it's just building that rapport with them was the biggest thing overall. And that's where uh, one of the guys who was an assistant athletic trainer at the time, Rod Scott, he's now the, the head athletic trainer at Michigan State. He really helped you 
just mentor me in that area, just showing guys how much you care and building that rapport with them. Um, and once you build that rapport and that trust, they see how much you care, then the rehab part comes a lot easier. Right. Um, so when you're the new guy, like you were there for about a year, and so you kind of had to establish yourself. What were some of those things that you did, um, you know, to kind of establish that rapport with these people that have been around, you know, medical professionals, you know, their entire professional and collegiate lives? I uh, really, for me, it started off doing the small stuff. You know, if they saw you working hard, whether it would be restocking a table or folding towels or really hustling around, hustling around with water out at practice or workouts, uh, you know, that's that's where it started, really. They're like, hey, you're working hard. Hey, can you come help me with this with my rehab? Or, hey, I've got this going on. And it just kind of, you know, almost snowballs from there where you just keep building that trust because they see you work. You know, those guys are always always watching and they see the people who are working hard and that's where they start to say, Hey, this guy's working hard. I'm really going to, you know, give him a chance. And then that's where the trust kind of blossoms from there. Right. Um, so after you finished your rotation with the Jags after that year, kind of tell us a little bit more about your journey into West Virginia. Um, I really, you know, I really loved my time with Jacksonville. Um, it was very close for home to me, really close to where my wife's from, but I always just was drawn to kind of just the pageantry of, of college athletics. Um, I always liked college towns. I love living in Athens and Morgantown, West Virginia is every bit of a, a college town. Yeah. Um, it was just putting my name out there. Then I got a, I got a cold call from the head athletic trainer at the time here. I was actually uh, out on a golf course playing golf with my buddies and took the phone interview off a tee box there. Just had to let some cars <laughs> pass by, but, and then it kind of just grew from there. I came up here and, um, there was a great athletic trainer who had kind of and PT who had kind of moved out of a role. His name's John Spiker. He's in the Hall of Fame now, and you know he he really sold me on on being here and how special Morgantown is. Um, you know, it's it's very unique in that we're the only game in town. There's no pro team in town. There's really no other big college. Um, we're the Power Five school. We are the sports team for this state, and that really just to see how passionate people were really just sold me on being here and staying. Right. And so when you worked at, um, when you started at West Virginia, did you immediately start working for football or kind of tell us a little bit more about your progression through um, your time at West Virginia? So it was the ATPT for football. Then we uh, restarted our golf program. So then I took over the golf team with football and then uh job kind of grew and I, they changed my title to athletics rehab specialist. Cause I was seeing all the uh, kind of hard to do cases from other sports. So I was seeing, in the downtime around football, I'd schedule people when the team was in meetings or if I knew the team was going to be off. And I would see, you know, the rowing, rowing team, you know, basketball players, soccer players, even a couple coaches. And then uh, it just kept growing from there. And then um, eventually got moved up and promoted to head athletic trainer. Uh, I believe that was four years ago now. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, looking back at your time with the Jags and now with uh, West Virginia, what are some differences in college and pro sports? And obviously, you know, when you're working with the Jags, it's just football and kind of what you're dealing with now, you're kind of dealing with all different sports and all different types of athletes and all different types of injuries. But what are some differences like culturally or otherwise that you notice between college and pro? Um, pro, you know, it's it's a job. That's their job. That's what they're nine to five or whatever you want to call it. That's all they have to do all day is just focus on football. Whereas um, when you're in the collegiate level, you've got their workout times, they're juggling class, they're, a lot of them are away from home for the first time, and a lot of them are, are the furthest they've ever been from their family. Um, so you're, you're, judging, you're juggling a lot more of the, the psychological components as well, trying to teach them how to be an athlete, where pro guys, they've already kind of learned and they, they know how to take care of their bodies. So you're doing a lot of education, 
um, kind of helping them. If, you know, if they're just having a bad day, they're struggling in class, just, you know, hey, instead of rehab day, let's sit down and talk for a little bit. Or let's go sit in my office and kind of just vent if you got some stuff on your chest. So it's a lot more of uh, juggling the personal matters, really, too, at the, the collegiate level because they're, they're still learning how to be young men and how to take care of themselves and how to, you know, get ready to be a pro one day. Right. Um, I think those are all like kind of great aspects that, you know, kind of like going back to talking about building that trust with patients, if they're able to kind of sit down and talk about matters outside of rehab, you know, that then they'll definitely trust their, their bodies if they can trust, you know, their secrets and whatever else they might have on their chest uh, too, if they can trust the rehab view. Um, so when you're working with those different athletes, you know, you're obviously working with football and then you kind of got handed golf, which is very different athletically demand wise. Um, kind of how do you work and change your mindset when you're working with, you know, a football player versus, you know, a 300 pound lineman versus, you know, a golfer that might have some elbow pain or something like that. Um, it's really just being on the same page, um, with kind of the whole performance team and knowing the demands expected of them. Um, we're really fortunate at West Virginia. We've got a great, one of the, I think the greatest strength coach around and Mike Joseph, um, really fortunate to work with him. He and I meet independently, um, and go over the football roster and, the demands that these guys are going to need, whether it be off-season workouts or getting ready for a game. Um, it means being on the same page with your coaching staff and just having open communication because the, I mean, it's all, you know, very position dependent on what the demand is going to be on that athlete. And it's there. It's just um, one of the easiest advice I ever got. It was one of my first clinical rotations in PT clinic in a small outpatient ortho place in uh, the middle of nowhere, South Georgia. The guy said, you know, at the end of the day, you're just going to – something's tight, you're going to stretch it. If something's weak, make it stronger. Um, so that's what I always default back to if I'm really kind of stumped on what to do. But then it's just diving in and, and learning all about it, and that's where I went through. I got my Titleist Level 1 and Level 2 medical certifications. Um, that really helped open up a lot too. And then you'd be surprised how much crossover there is as well with the – you know, it's still – a explosive sport whether it be golf or football it's just football players are bigger um, a lot of rotation still a lot of demand on the body overall and uh, how much crossover I was able to pick up out of that where there's a lot of things I learned from golf specific rehab classes that I've been able to apply to football players as well right um, so I want to talk a little bit more about how you kind of collaborate like independently with that strength coach um, how much do you interact with like the other sports medicine professionals like the physicians or the other athletic trainers um, that might be working with, you know, sharing athletes, um, kind of how do you kind of maintain constant communication between all the different, you know, people that have hands on a particular athlete? I um, mean, you know, I think that's just a real advantage of athletics. Everybody's a phone call away. Um, you know, I could see a guy sprain his ankle at practice. I got call our team orthopedic doctor, um, get x-rays set up. We're real fortunate uh, the way our stadium and football athletic training rooms laid out there's just a parking lot between us and our hospital system. So, I mean, it's a, I mean, that's a walkover if you ever need diagnostic testing, whether it be MRIs or CTs or anything. And we've got digital x-ray literally in our training room. So it's easy to send stuff to our physicians, but it's all just collaborating and, and just talking. Um, like I said, our strength coach and I meet a lot, talk about guys. Sometimes it's off the cusp. We'll just catch each other in the hallway and start talking about a guy or, um, in addition, our, our whole sports medicine staff, because football is kind of on an island compared to everyone else, we meet uh, biweekly just to kind of go over policy, procedure, anything going on. And then it's 
everybody here is just really open. They're just a phone call or a text away. We've got a great group of physicians. Um, they also have a sports medicine fellowship program. So there's two sports medicine fellows that are always around and everyone just checks their ego at the door. If you just know, Hey, I'm here to help these athletes and help these young men, uh, be the best that they can be. And then if you focus on that as your number one goal, then everything else just falls into place. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big keys that, uh, have come across this podcast, you know, when people talk about communicating and working with uh, other sports med team members is uh, kind of just checking your ego and p- kind of putting the athlete first rather than kind of worrying about who's right and kind of worrying about more of uh, the athlete's health rather than, uh, than you know, who, who, who is correct in the first place. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about that collaboration. Um, one thing that physical therapists that come on here often give advice is, is to, you know, get into an athletic training room to get just to see how they operate. So as someone that wears both hats, um, what are some things that you think that PTs can learn from an athletic training room and then vice versa? What are some things that athletic trainers can learn from PTs just so that everyone kind of understands the roles better? And then also we can also just grow and be better clinicians overall for our athletes. Um, yeah. So uh, I think PTs learn from ATs is, um, or even a dual certified who gets to work in a training room. One of the biggest things I see is, you know, you'll hear it on TVO, this athlete, this was an eight-month eight month injury, and he came back in five or six months. Because um, I've really thought about that a lot lately because we are fortunate. Um, we've got some guys back really quick from, some, from big injuries. And I think if you think of this, the two healthcare models, where if you're in an athletic training room, you can see that person two, three, four times a day, six to seven days a week versus – the PT model, um, you know, you might just you're kind of capped by how many insurance visits you can get. So you're trying to plan or really rely on them to do their home exercise program. And then it goes back to, you know, they're they're here. They're seeing us multiple times a day. Then they've got a strength coach to work on their the rest of their body. They've got a nutritionist to make sure they're getting everything they need nutrition wise while they're hurt. Um, so I think it's in the sports world. You've just got that whole big picture to look at. And then that, it's the same way as PT. You know, I, I went to PT school and the whole time I'm thinking I'm going to be an athletic trainer. I worked outreach while I was in PT school. I was going to all these high schools, you know, trying to just get in athletic training wherever I could. And uh, I was like, man, I'm just worried about ortho. I want to get out of here. But then PT school gave me a real just an appreciation overall of cardiopulmonary and my neuro classes, classes I thought I would, I would never use. Even some of the PED stuff I learned. I was like, man, this is all really applicable to sports medicine and you'd be surprised how much something I randomly heard in class, you know, 10 years ago in PT school that'll just randomly pop in my head when I'm working with an athlete. Oh man, I, I should try this. I remember this from neuro when we were talking about spinal cord injuries, or I remember this when we we're talking about stroke patients and how applicable just the body can work overall. So it's taken that whole picture into account. Right. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Uh, just cause you know, so many PT, PTs kind of recommend getting into that environment and it's a little tougher sometimes so kind of hearing how both um, professions can benefit from each other is is great uh, great advice Um, so one what are some things that you think you know times in PT school or athletic training school or even during your time with the Jags that you feel like prepared you best for your role and your progression at West Virginia um you know it's just the hard work and just taking the time to kind of smell the roses too and appreciate kind of what you had to, to go through. Um, you know, it's just kind of what you're doing right now with this podcast is talking to people in the profession, like, man, how did you get here? How did you come up with this and, and learning? Um, and really what's benefited me too is just, you know, 
finding some old school people. They've been around doing it for 30 years and you, you can pick up something like, oh, maybe the, the latest and greatest might not work for this. Maybe it's just picking their brain of how they've kind of stuck around this long and the things they do. And it's just, you know, just being ready to learn at all times. I mean, technology is at an all time high. I mean, we've got virtual reality, we use GPS, um, really getting big into vision and reaction training now and um, really staying on that cutting edge also and learning all you can because there's advancements every day and it's, you know, staying at that cutting edge, but also sticking to your bread and butter of things that you know work and kind of finding that middle ground of how you can apply it and really give your team and your athletes an edge on the field. Right. Um, so you kind of going on to your point about, uh, you know, finding some old school guys that have been around in the business for 30 years and then have obviously stuck around by keeping up with like the new stuff and kind of figuring out what works. Uh, what are some characteristics, characteristics of a good sports BT? Um, you know, you talked a little bit about some of your mentors and, you know, even um, just sports medicine members. You said you've worked with a great strength coach and uh, during your time in PT school with the Jags and now at West Virginia, what are some characteristics of good sports like rehab experts, so to say, um, that you notice that make them stand out? Um, it's, you know, checking your ego at the door, willing to learn from everybody. I've learned a ton, like I said, from our strength coach and, you know, even a guy like John Spiker here, who's been retired for a while, um, just asking questions. Um, and then just putting yourself out there knowing, Hey, at the end of the day, I'm here to make this athlete better on and off the field. It's like we have recruiting visits and I'm talking to mom and dad and saying, you know, my goal is to keep him healthy for the, you know, three to five years he could be here at West Virginia, but also thinking about his body when he's, you know, 40 years old, 50 years old, and how we can help him be educated on how to take care of himself overall. So he has just this long, fulfilling life and he's not crunched over with knee pain or back pain or things like that. Um, so it's just, you know, open communication, using the tools that you have around you to your advantage, um, whether my nutritionist, you know, she's working on you know all these papers with supplements for concussions. And it's like, hey, how can I learn from you on that? And how can we work together and just have an open communication and just willing to work with the people around you? You know, no idea should go uncovered. I meet with my I have two assistants and a grad assistant. We meet weekly. And I'm like, hey, guys, throw your ideas at me. How can we get better? this week and really just opening up those, those lines of communication because you never know where the next great idea that's it's going to come from by someone just, you know, sitting around thinking one day, Oh, we should try this and always being open to try new things. Right. Yeah. I think um, those are all kind of characteristics that we can all, you know, everyone listening can kind of model their own behaviors after, you know, keeping every uh, open mind and listening to everyone because we can all learn a little bit of something from everyone. Um, so kind of talking a little bit more broadly and vaguely, uh, what's the best part about sports PT? You said that throughout PT school, you learned a lot from your other classes, but you know, ortho and sports was kind of your, your main focus. Uh, so what's the best part about being a sports clinician? Uh, you know, it's going to sound cheesy, man, but I love game days. Um, it's, you know, when your office is in front of 60 to a hundred thousand people and you're just in the moment, I always try and take a second for me and just right before kickoff, just kind of look around the stadium you know, just take it in real quick. You know, the national anthem could be ending or the team just ran out of the locker room and kind of just taking time to soak it in. Like, man, this is just really just cool to do. You know, you're, you're going to all the, you're traveling all across the country to all these, you know, historic sports venues and getting to see, you know, all different parts of the country. I would never see if I was just working, you know, in a clinic necessarily. Um, so that's really one thing I like a lot. And then it's just the relationships, you know, I'm, 
seeing guys every day for three to five years and getting to know them, getting to know their families, getting to kind of know their goals and then see them develop not only athletically, but as human beings as well. It's really just fulfilling to watch overall. And then I've had some guys that have had some really just bad luck with injuries and just, you know, that appreciation at the end of the day when it's senior day and they come up and, you know, give you the classic bro hug and just thank you for helping them get to their senior day. So it's little moments like that as well. And I, and I always go back to a story. Um, there was this guy I was doing my um, PT rotation at Georgia, second time I'd been through there for an end season. And uh, he got a really bad ankle injury, ended up having surgery, um, did a lot of rehab with him. He was bummed. He was down in the dumps, didn't want to do anything. And I just remember I'm going to get after this guy's butt every single day while I'm here. I'm not going to let him quit. And then it just happened to work out that – he and I both went to Jacksonville. He went as an undrafted free agent. I'm there on my first day, helping with rookie physicals, see him. So, oh man, good to see you. You know, as an undrafted free agent going into rookie camp, it's hard to make the roster. And then, you know, he makes it through the first cut, makes it through the second and gets there and he makes the active roster. And then just seeing him after that was really rewarding. She's like, Hey man, if you wouldn't have pushed me in that training room at Georgia, I wouldn't be here. So I really appreciate it. And, that's when, you know, if I get frustrated with the long hours and stuff, I always go back to that moment as just being really fulfilling for me overall. Yeah, I think I think that type of story kind of makes all the, the hard work and extra hours really, really worth it. Um, and so kind of going back to your point about how, you know, your office is, you know, on the, like game day on the on the field, uh, kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to be to be you, um, you know, a practice day versus a game day. Kind of give us a perspective of uh, kind of your your quote-unquote, nine to five, even though it's probably a little bit longer? Uh, yeah, I mean, right now here at West Virginia, um, kind of our, our our week, if you want to say it starts on a Sunday, that's when we'll kind of do a walkthrough. We saw it, you know, post there's post-game rehab. Um, you know, we got docs in, running clinic. If we need x-rays or MRIs or anything like that, then we go out in the field, kind of do a corrective practice. Um, Monday's kind of our, our player off day, so that's a heavy rehab day for us. We're trying to get guys throughout their – class schedule get two to three you know really lengthy good rehab sessions in then uh tuesday wednesday are heavier practice days so workouts in the morning so rehabbing guys around their workout time then getting them back for another rehab before practice um then you got your athletic training hat where you're taping ankles and putting braces on and, and things like that then we head out to the field um you know i Watching practice, if I have a guy coming back from a rehab, I'll either uh, give one of my assistants kind of goals overall of what I want to get done so I can watch practice, or I'll take the player off to the side and kind of take them through what we call like our functional rehab program, where my goal is to get them ready to work with the strength coach, and the strength coach is getting that final kind of finishing touch to get them back on the field. So we're going to start off straight line running, cutting, jumping then they go to the strength coach to do kind of functional position work and then we're going from there um and then it's always you know just keeping the head on the swivel because you're trying to watch 120 guys play a, a contact sport spread over uh two practice fields so i'm kind of just you know looking around watching waiting hoping nothing bad happens and then it's head back into the training room you've got recovery and uh post-practice treatment so you know hopefully that guy's getting his third good rehab session in for the day and then we're ready for the next day you know and then it kind of tapers off as the week goes down. And if it's a home game, then Friday night I'm at the team hotel with them doing another rehab session, uh, then a, a second rehab session Saturday morning before we head over to the stadium. Then it's uh, taping and 
we always take time before the game. We meet with the other team's medical staff. We call it our medical timeout to kind of go over our emergency action plan, where EMS is, where x-ray is. Um, There's spine boarding. We always kind of just do a talk through of that of how we're going to handle it. And then it's game time and you're just kind of watching, waiting, and then trying to communicate with coaches, injuries, and things of that nature. Gotcha. Um, so I think that's a great kind of walkthrough of not even just your day, but your entire week. So that kind of gives people a good perspective of kind of what goes into to be, you know, a head athletic trainer f- for football. Um, so you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, something that stood out to you and, you know, made you realize that you love sports PT. Uh, but do you have a favorite time of anything that at West Virginia that stands out in particular? I, it's kind of like I was saying earlier, what's, what's really cool here is just the uh, being the only game in town, you know, we're, we're the biggest team. We're the whatever pick your favorite NFL team. We are that for West Virginia. Um, and it just means a lot to this state overall. So I think that's, you know, really cool to put in perspective. You know, we're not a big state, um, but everybody's watching. I mean, the whole state comes here on game days and they love their Mountaineers. Um, they have a thing called the man trip where we park at uh, kind of this big tailgating area and the fans just kind of make a path and we walk through it with the whole team and everyone's cheering you on. Um, it's really cool. I, I bring my uh, kids with it to me or kids with me to it also to make them a part of it. But it's, it's really cool to see how much it means to the state to be here. And then from a professional uh, point of view, just there's a lot of buy-in. I mean, we're fortunate our football staff here, if there's something that's not in my medical budget, whether it be equipment wise or anything, they're able to work with us to get it. So you can always have that cutting edge technology and then having a big hospital system in your backyard helps too. Um, I mean, it's, I had a guy come in the other day just to give an example of, he's like, Hey man, my knee has been bugging me all year. And, you know, someone comes into your PT clinic and says that maybe they're getting an MRI in a week or two. We, I think we had his MRI done in about 30 minutes after he told me his knee had been bugging him. So it's really helpful to have a hospital system that works with you. That's, I mean, literally on the other side of our stadium. So that's really fortunate too, just to be cutting edge. Yeah. Um, so last, last question before, for you, Vince, before we get you out of here, um, do you have any advice for anybody that wants to be a sports PT at any level? Um, you said like you've talked to and worked with, many people that have been in the business for, for years. So is there any advice that you would want to pass down to someone that would want to be, you know, in a position like you're in? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you know, there's no substitute for experience. Find a training room you can get into, find some level of sports. You can just get out there and watch and, and cover. Um, I know that was really important for me in PT school. Like I was doing outreach at three different high schools at one point, just driving around all the Augusta and kind of South Carolina area covering these high schools. And then got a foot in the door at a a small school. I think it's D two or three in the peach belt conference, you know, just PRN work for them. Like, Hey, we need someone to cover softball. Like, all right, I'm your guy. I'll be there. So it's just getting your foot in the door and really just dive in and then just find something. Like I tell my students every day, find something each day, that you can say, I got better at this today, whether it's a taping technique or a rehab technique. If you've got someone to do a perfect clamshell exercise, find the little things and kind of soak it up. And then when the big things come, when it's your game day, take a minute to just to appreciate where you were and uh, where you got to, because um, it really is a fun profession. And you just dive headfirst into it and just really just get out there and put yourself out there and don't be afraid to fail. Just be ready to learn from the mistakes when you do make them. I uh, I don't know if I could end end that podcast on a on a better note with a better piece of advice. Um, Vince, this has been this has been great, and I'm glad that you know after playing phone tag for a while, we finally got you on. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug before you get you out of here? 
I'm no, I mean, I'm just plug your podcast, man. It's been great, great experience for me. Um, if there's anybody out there listening, they're interested in, in sports or, or want more, you know, reach out, send me an email, call me, whatever, and, and we'll do uh, what we can to make it happen. Um, but you guys just keep working hard and just keep keep your nose to the ground and you're going to be successful at the end of the day. Perfect. Vince, um, this has been an awesome experience. Um, and with this, that being said, this, this has been the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Big shout out and thank you to Vincent Blankenship of West Virginia University Football for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you liked anything that you heard from today's guest or want to hear more episodes from future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you're listening. Wow.